Welcome back into another episode of the Owen Show, Season 2, Episode 8. I'm Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt, per usual. Tim, how you doing on this this fine evening? Better than you. Better than you today, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, I, I would try to dispute that, but uh, first of all, it's hard to dispute that, and second of all, it's also not that hard to do these days with how my, my immune system is treating me, but the show goes on, so... We got a couple new, uh, a new segment or two this week. Couple, couple cut, couple added. So we're gonna hop straight in. What are you, what are you calling this here first segment for me? We're gonna, we're gonna call it trivia. We're gonna get warmed up. We'll probably rotate this week. I'm gonna ask Owen some trivia questions, but um, instead of doing a recap where we just talk about games that everybody watched and give our thoughts on it, we felt like it was kind of a long segment and and maybe not the interesting part of of what we do. Right? It wasn't a lot of banter back and forth. It was just kind of recapping a bunch of games but in this segment we're gonna we're gonna draw off each other's knowledge of the nfl um and and do a little trivia to kind of get the banter going and and trying to trying to get the brain warmed up if you will i'm excited let's get after this all right we're gonna have two jets questions we're gonna start with one and we're gonna end with a jets question bring it on what was the original name of the new york jets oh yikes um were they in New York? Like so they first, were still in they were still in New York. Yeah, they were still in New York. God, it was some. It's gotta be. And, and I'm and I'm gonna and I want to preface some of these too to to give us a little skin in the game. We're gonna do. We're gonna keep our record on this, right? So, um, and at the end, like whatever the record difference is, like so, if you go three for two and I go, uh, you know, four for one, we're gonna pay each other a dollar for each question. Okay, too, I'm done to, for that. To, to make you think and obviously like you know we don't want to we want to have a couple cakewalk questions in there and things like that um and you also get three lifelines so you got five questions you get three i'll give you three hints for the five questions so i get three lifelines a week a week yeah a week a week yeah Um, yeah. i think i'm gonna burn one right here because i have zero idea without just okay the team name is currently an nfl team name it's currently an nfl team name yep okay Definitely eliminates anything that I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, this is tough. Uh, what was it? The Giants? Did they flip? Close. Uh, you were. I mean, it was the New York Titans originally. New York Titans. Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. I would have got that one. That's tough. Yeah. That's a good one though. I had no idea. Yeah, I I knew that one, so I thought that's why I tried to pick ones that I always I knew the answer to. Um, or I found rather fascinating if I didn't know it too. Okay. This one, I think this one should be an easy one for you. Which team holds the, holds the record for making the most Super Bowl appearances, making the most appearances. Yes. So not, not winning the most, but just in the game, the most that's like, as much as I, I feel like I'm probably just, I'm going to overthink a lot of these. If I had to say so team that's appeared in the most, um, I feel like it's got to be an older team. Yeah, one of the um, original, an early team. I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Mm, incorrect, my friends. Cowboys. Incorrect as well. Oh, okay. Man, who is? But it? but the Steelers and Cowboys are tied for second. <clears throat> that yeah, that makes sense. Um, give me two seconds. Let me try to think. There's three teams tied at second. Oh, they haven't been there. Uh, is it an NFC team? 
I mean, this isn't for anything, so no. Uh, I won't make you burn a lifeline there, but no, it is not an NFC team. So it's just an AFC team that I haven't named yet. Original. It's, I'm going to smack myself in the head when you tell me. Go ahead, yeah, tell me. I'm not sure. It is the New England Patriots. Yeah, um, see, like I felt like that was too easy. It, it like is. It was just such a layup, and I just overthought it. Yeah. They have been to the Super Bowl 11 times. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Cowboys, Broncos, all eight times. The Niners coming in at seven times. So that's fair. Yeah. They they've I been I think the Patriots have been around for that long. They are. They're 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 an early team. So they've they've been around. Uh I can tell you when they were founded, actually. They were founded in nineteen sixty. So Yeah, I would I would have guessed like early eighties, but and you gotta remember eight of those Super Bowl appearance well, actually technically nine of those Super Bowl appearances were within my lifetime. That's fair. Yeah. They've been to, they've had uh, nine appearances in the Brady era, and then they went in 1996. So the year I was born, they played. It's the actually Packers. nuts that you could cut out the first 20 years of their franchise and just go <laughs> in your lifespan, and they still have the most appearances of all time. Yeah, they do. Yep. Yep. That's Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe uh, took him. I want to say Pete Carroll was the head coach of that team, too, potentially. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, it was Bill Parcells. Just kidding. It was Bill Parcells. Okay. That, yeah, that, that makes sense. All right. Back to, so we're 0 for 2. 0 for 2. Okay. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you with another, another, what I think is a hard one here. Okay. Um, what city did the Washington Commanders play in before they moved to Washington? What city did they play in? Mm hmm. I feel like they're still. They didn't relocate at all, like the stadium. They, they did. Last, like recently? Oh, no, no, no. This is a long ass time ago. Okay, so a long time ago. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. Um, Where they uh, – well, I guess, yeah, I'll burn a lifeline because what I have three questions left. I'll burn one here. Yeah, yeah. What's um, the – or should I ask? Can I ask him? Oh, yeah, if you want to ask a question, I'm fine with that. Okay. Um. Were they called the Redskins in this first city? Uh, let me look real quick. That was I a got horrible it. guess. I should have just had you give me a hint, but because they were. Oh Jesus! This is funny. They were actually called a football team. Isn't it so nuts that everyone was like, "Man, that's a horrible name," and it's not the first time that they've had that. Oh, they they actually had two names in this city. Actually, they had the Braves and then the football team, or the oh, two names. Okay. They, they had in this team, in this city. And I'll give you, I'll throw in a hint because that was such a terrible question. Uh, this city currently does also hold a football team. My gut says Cincinnati. For some reason, when you said Braves, Cincinnati is the first thing that came to my head. So I'm Interesting. Roll with that. It is Boston. So that was incorrect. Boston Braves. Damn it. Yeah. I definitely knew that one because I've heard the, the yeah. Braves have been a football team before. And I've, I've definitely heard Boston Braves, but I don't I, think I would. I thought you might have heard this one, but. Uh, they they moved out of uh, <clears throat> out of Boston in 1936, so it's been a long, long yeah. time since they've been in Boston. But they were originally a Boston team. That's crazy. All right, zero for three. This one should be a layup to you, for you. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Layup for you. Which team won its Super Bowl after moving from another city and changed its name? Like the first year? No, 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 not the first year. Just after this is the only team that is won its Super Bowl after moving from another city and changing its name. 
It's the Baltimore Ravens. Ding, ding, ding. We got one right. Good job. That's really the only time. According to whatever trivia website I pulled this off of, yeah. I feel like there's got to be a time frame associated to that. But well, I'm uh, the Super Bowl error because I think it was Super Bowl. Okay. So, so like the Commanders obviously moved pre Super Bowl error. So, yeah. we haven't seen like, a, yeah. The Titans haven't won a Super Bowl since they moved. Mm-hmm. And like the Raiders, the Chargers who have bounced around the right. Ra- well, think, wouldn't the Rams also? Well, I guess that could just be old as well. Well, the Rams, so they won one in L.A. before they moved, okay. and then and then they didn't win any in St. Louis, and then they won in L. So they've only won Super Bowls in I L.A., see, I, I guess. I so see. I don't like the Rams are a weird count in that. But and also, yeah, that could just be an older fact too. That who knows the asterisks that they put on yeah, it. So put on that one. So a win's okay. a win. All right, looping back here. Why did the New York Titans become the New York Jets? And you do have your lifeline here. Oh, I I feel like I saw this on a TikTok recently. Gosh darn it! I'm gonna yeah, go ahead and I'm gonna use the lifeline obviously because I have it. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give you the answer, but I'm gonna make it a fifty fifty for you. Okay? okay, does that sound right. fair? Bring it on. Okay, it's due to their proximity to a major airport in New York City. There are two major airports in New York City. There is JFK or LaGuardia. Which one are they closer to? Damn. Yeah, that is a complete 50-50, even though you gave me the answer. A New Yorker would know this, but you're you're not a New Yorker. I'm so not a okay. New Yorker at all. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to think about it, even though there's <laughs> 0% chance I'm going to narrow it down at all. Um, I'm going to go LaGuardia. I don't know why my head said that. I'm going to roll with my gut. Boom, two and three. Nice job. I'll take it. Let's go. All right. So we'll I like it. that. Little two and three, get the blood flowing. There you go. If if anything else, if you listen to this podcast, you learn something today. You know. There you go. Yeah, take it. All right, we're ready for the next session here. It looks like we got a fan question this week. Do you know? Do you have any anything you 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 can read the question here? Yeah. So so this is really somebody sent me this post and they wanted us to talk about it. Obviously, if you don't live under a rock, if you're consuming our podcast, I'm assuming you consume some type of other sports media along the way. Uh. Jason and Travis Kelsey have their podcast. They talked about this yeah. I think a week or two ago. What's the hardest position to play in football? Somebody said to me like, Hey, you guys should talk about this on your show. Curious to see what you guys think about it. Um, I'll let you go first. Cause I I've think got, that's going to be pretty bland. I, I've got a couple that come to mind. Okay. Um, and they're both interesting. I think defense is definitely harder than offense is the first thing I'm going to say. I would agree. Um, for the most, I think, like if you're going to completely generalize it down to a side of the ball, I agree. Defense is harder than offense. I'm between, I'm between two positions. I think I'm going to go with safety. I think safety is the hardest position to play in the NFL okay. because you're, I was between safety and linebacker and man, I'm not sure which one I want to go to with. Really? Okay. Yeah. Those, those are the top two that came to my mind. Safety's tough. I'm going to go with safety and I'm going to give my reasons for linebacker too, but Safety is tough because not only do you do pass coverage, but you also stop in the run, right? So you're expected to be able to blitz, make the pass. And also some of the matchups that you get as a safety, right? So you might get 
the second half of the field against a Tyreek Hill when the corners got the under on him, right? Like that's a really hard assignment. Yeah. Um, and then you might have to guard Travis Kelsey, the tight end on the very next play. So, yeah, the very next play. And it's not the tight end. It's like the tight end, right? The tight end. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah, you go from that. You got that going on. You might play slot corner sometimes. So mm-hmm. you've, you've got to be able to do a mix of things. And the amount of field that you cover when you are playing like, you know, cover two safety or, I mean, God, like cover one, like that amount of space is just astronomical and you're the one that's in the passing game going to be manipulated the most you know what i mean yeah i'm trying to get safeties to dive and things like that i feel like it's probably the the most cerebral like it's the the position that i think takes the most brain power if that makes sense like quarter everybody always talks like how much quarterbacks have to remember and the things that they have to do play in play out the 50 things that'll go through a guy's head whereas i feel like the safety is kind of the same way now if you have that true top tier linebacker, the Luke Keekley type, he would yeah. pass, he would surpass that safety and that level just because Luke Keekley was a freak of nature. Mentally, is probably one of, if not the smartest player that's ever played our game defensively. And but other than, yeah, I like your I like your your reasoning. What's now, what's the linebacker? Yeah, linebackers are close for me because it you do all the same things a safety does, but you have less area to cover, but more people are moving in and outside of those areas. Um, if that makes sense. So you might not cover as much space on the field as a safety does, but a linebacker is going to have a tight end come in. They're going to have uh, wide receivers coming on crossing routes and things like that. So like the amount of people who might come into your zone when you're plan, you know what I mean? Zone coverage is going to be significantly more than a safety, right? Like a safety might get one or two guys in his zone where a linebacker might get on any given play, you know, three or four guys, all you might get a running back, a tight end and two wide receivers coming across whatever zone you're supposed right to be covering the field, yeah. and trying to decide who you like, what your actual assignment is when they're running, what play, you know what I mean? Like it's there's a, a lot of things. Throw, so there's shorter real, like safeties. Yes most of the time or they have 10 to 15 yards of the ball being in the air to react. Whereas that drag Tyreek Hill runs that drag route underneath. Like the ball is in his hands within a second, if not two. And then you're, it is now it's stop him. Right. So yeah, I can, that's, that's two really good arguments. And, and the other thing with linebackers too, now, especially in the modern day game, I think is tough too, is like, you're, you might be playing middle of the field zone and against all these quarterbacks who can run knowing that decision of, okay, Lamar or Patrick Mahomes or Kyler. I'm not saying that they're all the same level of runner here, but like these they're are all, all guys, runners, yeah. are all runners, right? Knowing when, okay, now I need to step off of coverage and step to the line to try to stop them from getting this first down is another added element of like, if you leave that assignment too early, he's then going to make that throw but if you don't leave soon enough, he's going to have enough time to get to that first down. Like, you know what I mean? There's just exactly, yeah. so many decisions happening so quickly. I would argue it's one of those two. Yeah, I think I think you made great points for both. I When I first saw this, I completely agreed with what Jason Kelsey had said. Um, I think physically it's got to be like play to play. I think it's corner because you you talk about like – taking away how talented these receivers are in today's game, right? Like, cause even if you play absolute perfect coverage, like you are in a guy's hip, 
the entire way. If you're matched up against DeAndre Hopkins or Mike Evans and the ball is thrown perfectly, even with you playing perfect coverage, there's still a 50-50 shot that receiver's coming down with the ball, right? Like you did everything perfectly to a T. You could not have played better coverage. And there's a 50-50 shot that you're still getting like a reception's going on your head, 40 yards, a touchdown, whatever it is, right? And I do think that man coverage has got to be – I agree with your original take. Defense is usually harder because it's all reactionary to, yeah. to a majority, right? Like yeah. as much as like you cover this zone and you cover that zone, you get after the quarterback, you're on outside contain, you're on a QB spy. At the end of the day, the defense's job is to not let the offense score a touchdown. So it's all reactionary. You have to react to what they're doing. Things are happening to you. You're not making things happen to the yeah. other team. Offensively, it's they are yeah. they are doing what their play is called. They're going to run their offense. Your job is to stop it. That's the basis yeah. of the game. So automatically, I think the defense is at a disadvantage, and especially when you get into how talented the players are these days and how how um, specific and how good the schemes are today. Defenses have nightmares about trying to even slow down what these guys do these guys do on offense let alone stop them so i do think like a man coverage corner like a jalen ramsey uh a marlon humphrey a james bradbury type is very very difficult um but you're not gonna always be in man coverage for the most part whereas now i i agree with where you're saying it's like safeties may have to do a little bit of that plus they've got to stop the run plus they've got to play the deep zone so I do think I'm going to switch my answer and kind of go towards safety. Quarterbacks is obviously the the pick offensively. I don't think there's another yeah, one yeah. that really mind on offense other than quarterback. Um, Qu- quarterback is is tough because it's a unique skill set, is what I'm going to say. Like, yeah. you don't necessarily you're ne- very rarely is the quarterback the best athlete on his yeah. team, let alone the field, right? Like you don't need to be like a super freak athlete necessarily to be a good quarterback, right? Like there's lots of quarterbacks who are subpar athletes who are really good all-time quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, the best so one think, of all time is a subpar athlete. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, um, I mean, Peyton Manning's a horrible athlete, but can like make plays with it. And he doesn't even have a rocket arm, right? Like yeah. there, there's so many limiters to like, Quarterback is so much mental and not very physical that it's it's tough to like put a qualification on that where it's like playing something like a safety or linebacker is both physical and mental. Yeah, and I think the quarterback's argument also comes where where it kicks up to me is that like there are it's the least transferable skill set to another position. If you're a receiver, you could probably play tight end, like if you're big enough, right? If you're a running back you could play receiver. If you're safety, you could play linebacker. Like to a certain degree, like a lot of it can transfer. Whereas, like almost half the skill set, if not more, of a quarterback goes completely out the window if you take him out of that role, right? Well, like if I were yeah. to truly stick Lamar Jackson at running back for a game, he would probably do pretty okay, right? But if I throw Tom Brady back there, nothing. Like horrible. Yeah. It's going to be a horrible day for my offense. The where, the, yeah. the other thing I'll add to this too is. The, you know what they say about safeties, right? Hmm. There, there's two things, or corner, like any any kind of corner, any any defensive back, defensive right? Back. They say two things, right? They say, oh, you play this because one of two reasons. You weren't tall enough 
to to be a wide receiver, right? Like there's no tall corners in the league, really. Like there's really very know. few. Most of the time, if you're tall, you end up sticking at wide receiver. And the other, the main thing that people say is, oh, you didn't like to get hit. You like to do the hitting. So you switched over to the other side of the ball. There's like, that. And then the, the Madden commentators always say, because they can't catch the ball. That's what it was. He was a, mm-hmm. he was a really good receiver outside of being able to catch the football. So they just threw him on the defensive side. Oh, there you go. That's a good one too. Those are the, those are the three that I feel like you always hear about, but yeah, I, I, I did like that discussion and I thought they had a great funny take about it too. So yeah, that's going to do it for our fan questions. We're going to hop straight into our headlines kind of quick punch through some of these just little bullet points. Uh, the Ravens did uh, sign Deshaun Jackson out of free agency slash, uh, this week. So the 35 year old will join that Baltimore Ravens receiving core. Um, as a Ravens fan, if I sit here and go into detail, it'll probably sound pretty negative. Um, it's not a bad signing. I, anything to help Lamar Jackson now, regardless of what it is, is a good thing. I think, um, but when you look at all the other things that these quarterbacks, all the the weapons that usually go into an offense um, over the stint of a year, two years, four years, you know, whatever the quarterback was drafted or whether it was just in one offseason, um, the headline that I read today was Baltimore Ravens were working out Deshaun Jackson and Tavon Austin. Um, the Eagles added A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts. Stephon Diggs landed in, in Buffalo for Josh Allen. Uh, Kyler Murray got Robbie Anderson and Hollywood Brown in the last six months. That's more than Lamar Jackson's got in the last uh, three years. So um, Baltimore has made a concerted effort to try to get weapons in, right? They drafted Hollywood. They hit on Mark Andrews in the third round. But it's time to take the Philadelphia Eagles approach and just go trade for a guy. And I think that's where most Baltimore fans you saw today were upset. Like Ravens Twitter was pissed today. Which, like, and it had nothing to do with the signing, right? Deshaun Jackson's not a bad football player. He will add a deep threat to the Ravens' offense, and that's fine. But when a guy like DJ Moore is on the table, trade-wise, why, why, why are we signing Deshaun Jackson? Like, we've proven that we struggled to get guys in this building, whether it's signing him out of free agency or drafting him. This is the guy that's on contract for another two to three years, and we could trade for him, and he will easily be – the best receiver that's played in Baltimore since 2012. And if he has three or four good years, could go down as one of the better Ravens receivers of all time. Like the, I don't, people don't realize like with them having such a short history and Joe Flacco being a good portion of that history. And before that it was defense. Like it's not hard to crack the Ravens receiving records list. Like Derek Mason is the all-time receiving yards leader, and he's also the I'm, last Raven to have back-to-back thousand-yard seasons in a Ravens jersey, and that was like oh seven oh eight. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you might be putting a little bit too much pressure, maybe on what the expectations for this signing is. Um, Agree. Yeah, like I said, I'm not mad with the signing at all, but yeah, he's 35 years old, right? So like, I think the to think that he's going to have a great year, like maybe this year. And if you're really, really lucky next year, I don't think you're getting three or four years out of him at this point in his career. I don't think he'll probably be on roster next year because he'll probably be fed up with the play calling by the end of the year. Anyways, 
So, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I'd put it there in that category. I mean, it's definitely, you're right. Like it's a move that can't hurt, right. To bring a veteran into that locker room is definitely something that's not, nobody's going to complain about. Right. So even though um, you just heard me complain about it and you'll, if you, if you look at any Ravens account on Twitter, they will be complaining about it. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a bad move. It's not enough, but it's, it's really not like the worst move possible that you can make. So I like the signing. I just, I wish it was more. That's, that's my, that's my take. And I guarantee anybody you talk to that's a Ravens fan is going to have the same take for the most part. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what that kind of develops, develops into here. Um, you brought up the, the Robbie Anderson trade. Um, yeah. Carolina trades Robbie Anderson for a sixth and a seventh round pick, um, which is an interesting haul that they get back there. A uh, little, little surprised by, you know, the move, uh, he got sent off the field on Sunday's game after getting into it with his wide receiver coach and Steve Wilkes sent him out of the sent like kicked him off the field. Um, yeah, Robbie Anderson's had a weird career, right? Yeah. Always been a guy who's been, you know, pretty productive for the most part. I mean, yeah. it uh, always feels like that just that one step away from being in a whole new echelon of receiver. Yeah who is, you know, a good production guy and things like that. There's a lot of talks that maybe he might be a, a just an absolute terrible locker room guy because the Jets didn't re-sign him and they needed so much help at wide receiver and didn't re-sign him for whatever reason. So uh, yeah. there's talks that he might have been toxic when he was in New York, and that's why they're like, we'll let him walk. Like, we don't care. Um, and I, it's a good I, – I like the pickup for Arizona because it's only going to add depth into this uh, – this Cardinals locker room. I mean, they're just fighting the injury bug. Uh, yep. DeAndre Hopkins should be back this week, right? This week. Yeah. He's he, they have a Thursday night game, so it's not hundred percent confirmed that he's going to play since it's off a short week, but he has been back in the building the last three weeks working out. Um, he just couldn't do anything with the team per se, mm-hmm. um, but he has been working out in the facility and has been ready. So he should be ready. I would assume wide yeah. receiver of his stature has been with the team for a while. But it's not 100%, and they did just lose Hollywood probably until the last couple weeks of the regular season. So. I was about to say, like, they think Hollywood's going to be out for a while. So, I mean, if they make the playoffs, uh, you know, it's an interesting that's an interesting one, two, three punch right there, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's a scary, and, and it's, it's moves like this is why you heard me get a little tipsy about Deshaun Jackson signing because Baltimore could have made that trade, and Robbie Anderson comes on and is probably – the most talented receiver we've had outside of Hollywood, probably the most talented receiver we've had since Anquan Bolden, possibly. Steve Smith had a couple of good years, but like it's things like that. You know, I watch Amari Cooper fly for a fifth, watch Robbie Anderson do this for a sixth and a seventh, and it's just it gets tiresome after a while. So, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll see where where he ends up, but uh, I'm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's like a one guy. Like, I'm not sure he's going to be able to replace the production that you're getting out of Hollywood, but no, it's definitely, de- a, definitely it's a smart have, move. But I yeah. think it was a, it's a better ad than Deshaun Jackson for, is it more of a price tag? Yes. Is it a price tag that mattered? No. So it's, it's, yeah. it's things along those lines that, that I think frustrate a lot of Ravens fans. I'm not as near as frustrated as any other Ravens fans. Cause if you if you're part of Ravens Twitter, like they've been calling for John Harbaugh's job for the last two three weeks now, which is hilarious to me. But I'm not. We don't have time to sit here and let me rant about my own team. So we're gonna <laughs> I've, I've yeah. ranted enough. So 
All right, let's uh, let's jump into the next thing we got here. Cam Akers being on the trading block. What a what a weird time to announce that that uh, he wants to trade. Like Sunday, like right before the game, he's gonna sit out because uh, he wants out, which is just so so bizarre to me. Um, yeah. So where do you where do you like him being sent off to? Um, I mean. That's a tough one because, I mean, he's not going to get traded for much uh, being a running back. The value's not too high. Um, San Francisco, as always, anytime it's a running back hits the market, because as much as they make it fly with whoever they have back there, they don't really have a super talented one guy still. Mm-hmm. Not that I think the Rams would send him in the division, but the Niners definitely comes to mind. Um, I don't think that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of just somebody who has a really good one but doesn't have a two, two. I mean, if he's but if he sits Minnesota, on the block for long enough i wouldn't be surprised to see baltimore look at him and just see what the price tag kind of is not that we need him but i wouldn't be surprised by it so so teams looking to add depth at running back that i got here um like just uh would be minnesota would be one of them um uh, they have Dalvin Cook at one, but he tends to get hurt a lot. The Giants with Saquon. Who knows when Saquon's going to have his yeah, next the injury. Giants. The Giants is a and, really good one. And then the Panthers would be the other one looking for depth at running back, not looking to bring him in as the one. Yeah, and I definitely think he still can be a one. That's just – I don't know if there's a team out there that's going to go search for it. I think Pittsburgh yeah. is kind of a, a sleeper team. I do think they like Benny Snell Ooh. a lot, but it also feels like a team that – wouldn't mind adding Cam Akers because I feel like his price tag is going to be a fifth, maybe a fourth. I probably. Can't. I would imagine somewhere in there. If Sony Michelle went for a six, he's probably like in that, you know, four to five, up. somewhere in that ballpark. He's a little bit younger, so he's got good value there. But yeah, there's a chance. Yeah. But yeah, it is. The, the timing of it is very weird. But it'll be curious to kind of see where he lands. Hopefully, fantasy managers will be a little bit more happy than what he's gotten so far. But he's got to commit to playing because, like, as much as I was upset about it because I was a fantasy manager of K-Makers, and I think I still am to in a couple leagues. Like, there's there everybody remembers that video that popped up on Twitter of Matthew Stafford getting absolutely obliterated because K-Makers decided to leak out on a route as a free blitzer came off the edge. Things like that. Like, you got to yeah. – you got to put the work in on the place where you're not getting the ball to get the ball. You know what I'm saying? And he yeah. didn't show a lot of that. And when you have a guy like Daryl Henderson right behind you, you're not going to have a ton of job security if you're not going to do the little things along the way. So I'd be curious. I don't think Denver's really not. I'm going to talk a little bit about Denver, but that was a team that just popped in my head at the end. There. They're, they're, they're an interesting team. I don't know if they will be buyers is the only thing. It's like, a, it depends Agreed, on how much yeah. they believe in the rest of the season. I, I'm, I'm going to skip the Buffalo Kansas city talk, right? Like, Obviously, that's that's one that everybody is like, oh, yeah, what a fit. You know what I mean? Makes so much sense. Um, another name that I really like out there, <clears throat> excuse me, is the Dolphins. Um, Ooh. They're in a weird spot when it comes to running backs. Uh, they paid Chase Edmonds a decent chunk of change this offseason, um, and he stunk it up. So he's like third on their depth chart right now. Yeah. Um, because I think Raheem Mostert's the starter, and then Miles Gaskin has bumped his way up to the two. So I think Chase Edmonds is down at the three. I think the Eagles um, is another team 
that just came e- to my mind as well. Yeah, Eagles could be an interesting fit. So, I mean, Raheem Moster is a okay running back. Uh, I know for all the Madden players out there, you're like, what? He's like the best running back of all time. But uh, <laughs> the real life is not not exactly like Madden. Just because you're fast doesn't make you good. Raheem um, is very good. The issue is he's due to miss at least four to six games a year. Is year, where yeah. Raheem really has his and, issues. And which, he's he's good. Yeah, he's not he's not special. So it's, it's perfect to have a guy right there. You know, for those four to six games. So. I think that's an interesting fit. I also think um, the other one that I really liked is like potentially like a Carolina trade. Like maybe they flip uh, Christian McCaffrey and then bring in acres or they could even make a trade where they trade McCaffrey for acres plus some draft picks on top of it. Um, And the other team that I really like, again, don't know if they will be buyers or not is Atlanta though. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense because they have struggled to fill the void of uh, since Devonte Freeman left that backfield and uh, they've tried a lot of different people and nothing is quite fit the way they wanted it to. Cordero Patterson is fit. The issue is he's on IR and their offenses looked good. Yeah. When he's out there, the issue is he's not currently out there. So it, that's definitely a, and also Cordero Patterson's going to, it's 31 going on 32, I believe. Not not a long term answer at running back. Right. So Cam Akers is definitely not a bad fit there either. So definitely a lot of suitors, but the price tag won't be super high, which sometimes can expedite the deal like it did for Robbie Anderson. Sometimes it can drag it out because the Rams are gonna want more than whatever everybody else thinks he's worth. So worth, yeah. Probably, but I don't know. They seem to think like sixth and seventh round picks are super valuable and there's no value in like a middle round pick. So no, it's not. Um, no, it's really not. All right, we're going to jump on, talk about uh, Jim Ursay. Um, I'm going to read off the direct quote here. I believe there is merit to removing him as an owner. Uh, obviously, he's referring to uh, Daniel Snyder in this case here. Um, there's con- consideration that he should be removed. So this is kind of the first rumblings we've heard of uh, the NFL actually maybe putting this into motion um, of kicking Dan Snyder out as an NFL owner. Um, if you're behind on what Dan Snyder has done, that makes him a bad human being. You were, uh, don't know what you've been reading lately, but he you is under just, a rock. Yeah. Firstly. We, we talked about them, uh, keeping ticket shares. Um, that got him suspended for a year. There's been, uh, a lot of talks of, you know, racism, um, inside the organization, there was the time where a cheerleader's nude photo was getting cycled throughout the executive office. So sexual harassment, literally just about everything under the book. Yeah. Everything that you could be a bad person for this guy's pretty much done. Yeah. And everything that I heard today, obviously like I was stuck up front. So I'm listening to good morning football and all, you know, every sports talk show in the world and every single time that they started talking about him. The, the persisting fact was he currently has five open investigations against himself and the organization where somehow he is tied in to the circle. That's I, bad. yeah, I mean, one's bad. Like two is like, all right, like what is, come on now. Five, come on. This is, and also, and it's more of a personal bias because there's no, but like Jerry Jones endorsing you, not a good thing in my opinion either. And uh, they're best buds. So mm. I don't know. Do you have a, I mean, we both pretty much agree. He's kind of a scumbag. Yeah. He is a scumbag. 
Um, there was a lot of these talks where the NFL was scared to set this president, right? That you, they could kick out an owner. Um, we've seen other leagues do it, right? Like, uh, NBA's done it. NBA's done it twice. Uh, no, recently. Donald Sterling was one. And uh, I think uh, Sarver just got pushed out in Phoenix, didn't he? Yeah, that w- they didn't go to a vote. Sterling okay. went to a vote and they actually voted to kick him out. Um, Sarver just just kind of gave up because there, it was looking so bleak for him. Yeah, I was probably going to get to that point for him. But he just yeah, uh, he, he saw the running on the wall and he kind of resigned before they could boot him. Um, but it would take two thirds. So 24 teams would have to vote yes to kick him out as an owner. Um, so there's no way that it gets brought to the table unless Robert uh, Roger Goodell has complete and utter confidence that it'll happen. So um, it'll be interesting. I hope it happens. Um, not only for the sake of the football team, which is kind of secondary in this case, right? Like the football team yeah. has been terrible, um, but mainly because he's a scumbag and they need to kick him out of league. So yeah, he's, He's a terrible human being. He's a terrible owner. He's a terrible owner for the players, for the coaches, for the fans, for the overall image of the league. Like he's he is awful. And it doesn't surprise me that a guy like Jerry Jones is is gonna be the one that's sticking in his corner. Um if you need to know anything about Dan Snyder and the type of person he is, like if nothing else, right? If you disagree, if you're like Dan Snyder does not deserve to be kicked out, he deserves to have the right to be an owner in the National Football League. He's earned that right. Even if you 100% believe in that, you cannot deny the fact that this is a valid conversation that needs to be had, right? Like you can't get mad at somebody being like, well, maybe we should kick him out, right? It's not an asinine take at all. So if – I completely lost my train of thought of where I was going with that point, but like he's, he's just not good for business at all. And Oh, so right. So the, the conversation is valid and, and to prove how terrible of a human being he is, his defense mechanism was to not deny anything he did or go out and do something positive to try to counteract any of this or any of these things he hired supposedly uh, hired private investigators and law teams to go dig up dirt on other NFL owners to where if he did get voted out, he would basically just set the league on fire on his way out the door. That's pretty clear cut, dry, classic. I'm a terrible human being, but I'm going to make sure that the world knows how terrible every single one of you guys is on my way out the door, which is not wrong. I think we all know that every rich person in the world has skeletons in their closet. Right. I don't think there's anybody that's going to be a, a billionaire or a millionaire really without a couple skeletons in their closet or under the mattress along the way. And not that I'm saying we shouldn't condone everything along the way, but like there's definitely a certain line. I do think it was hilarious that Jim Ursay was the one to kind of give the quotes about this, considering his past is nowhere near squeaky clean at all with the police. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. And then Jerry Jones, did you see the headline? He went after Robert Kraft at the meetings today. They had like a heated exchange. That doesn't surprise. Those two do not get along um, very much, but they're also, I mean, kind of opposites in how they function as as human beings. So Yeah, apparently. So this is, this is from ESPN. Jones told Robert Kraft, don't fuck with me during heated exchange at uh, owners only meetings. And I love that like everybody like, 
everybody like chalks it up to them being competitors and they want their teams to be the best, which is true, I think, to a certain degree. But like, there is definitely a level of personal hate and both of them knowing that they're not the greatest people in the world along the well, way. Well, I mean, yeah, those two aren't phenomenal either. But like, if you look at, um, what are the two most, what are the two richest franchises or the two most expensive franchises to go out and buy right now with cash in the NFL? So the Cowboys are definitely one. Yep. Patriots are two. So, um, so you're talking about the two, probably the two most powerful men in that meeting, right? Like, of course, and and they're not, and they're not friends either. So that doesn't help. But, um, and I also think those two are the richest, um, NFL owners as well. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty easy to look. I don't know. I don't want to spend all the day on this. Daniel Snyder's yeah. a scumbag. If I had my way, he'd be booted out fucking three years ago, to be honest with you. Like, he's had stuff on the books that had deserved removal from office. Like, if this was the NBA and it, and it worked the same way, Daniel Snyder would have had to sell the team back in, like, 2018, I think. Full, just yeah. full honesty, but the NFL moves a little bit slower on these things, and more, more, more importantly, and more real is the NBA is very ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff as well, um, whereas most other leagues aren't. So, yeah, Dan yeah. Snyder needs to go, and there's probably another two or three owners that need to go with him. Ursay's probably one of the guys that's at least on a very short leash at best. Like Thin Ice is the best that Jim Ursay is at right now with his personal history as well. But yeah, Snyder is. Oh. I don't think anything more than five open investigations against him and his organization. You can't sum it up any better than that. Right in that, I was wrong. So Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft are three and four on the richest owners list. I feel like the Jags owner is one of the top two. Is he? he is not. Um, he's sixth. Sean Con. Yeah. Um, one is the. I can't, I can't remember the name. Rob Walton, who bought the Denver Broncos, um, is by far and away the richest person in the NFL. Uh, $59.8 billion is his net worth. Good Lord. Uh, he, he is, yeah, significantly in first place. Uh, second is David Tepper, um, who just bought the Panthers. He's the 103rd richest person in the world at 16.7 billion. Um, Stan Kroenke, is also ahead of those two at 10.7 billion. And then it goes Jerry Jones at 10.6 and then Robert Kraft at 8.3. So fair. Yeah. Which is so hilarious when you look at the history of those franchises, especially in the last 20 years. Now yeah. one of them deserves to be that high. The other one, definitely, definitely not. <laughs> but what do you mean? Uh, just the, the Patriots success in the last 20 years versus the Cowboys success in the last 20 years. I guess they, I mean, they won a bunch of Super Bowls in the, I guess you're saying the last 20 years, but it was yeah. like the last 20 years even cuts a, a Brady Super Bowl off, does it not? When's uh, the first yeah. Brady By Super Bowl that was won? 01. 01, yeah. So it cuts even a Brady Super Bowl off. Yeah. I could extend the window by five years and it's still, it just adds to the Patriots for another one. Yeah. I was about to say the Cowboys were like late, early 90s. So yeah, early but. 90s. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's not not shocking. It's it's a mess. I hope they kick him out, and I hope we kind of they can move on here. But I really hope we could stop talking about this one day. I feel yeah. I felt like I felt like I was going to be able to stop talking about this guy a while ago, and we're still here talking about it in twenty twenty two. So very true. 
All right, go. Uh, the next thing we got is your Broncos rant. So go ahead and uh, and enjoy that. Yeah. So so I was I was sitting here thinking about this um, earlier today at work. Obviously, they're they're wrapping up the Monday night post game. You know, talking about the game on Monday night, key stats. This guy happened. You know, that happened. Whatnot. And I'm usually the guy that's completely against firing a coach in the middle of the season, right? Like. Um, the best candidates are always in the off season. It, it does nothing but just dysfunctionalize your your team more, right? Because you're adding more, uh, you're taking away stability if there is any at the head coaching spot. But sometimes I feel like it gets to a certain point. Uh, to quote David Tepper, who fired Matt Rule last week or two weeks ago, we're gonna ride this out unless the product becomes unbearable or we feel like the effort's not there. And I'll tell you what. Maybe it's just because it's been shoved on our throats four primetime games in six weeks to start the year. But the Broncos don't have the effort, and the product's embarrassing. And I feel like they just got to cut their losses with Nathaniel Hackett. I think more than likely he will be gone at the end of the year. But if I was the owner of the Denver Broncos, I would ship this guy out tomorrow. Like I would have I would have went down on the field Monday night. I would have went up, talked to him. I would have went to the post-game press conference with him. Like, hey, surprise, guys. I know you guys wanted to talk to him about this uh, this game we just had against the Chargers. We're just going to get a two-for-one thing so I can get this 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 ridiculous excuse for a head coach out of my face. We're firing this guy. He's not – as of right now, he's no longer the head coach of the Denver Broncos because this is the most – this is one of the worst offenses I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think – but for a play-by-play standpoint, I think Joe Judge running a QB sneak on third and five at his own like five-yard line for the Giants last year was pretty bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. But for a game-by-game, drive-by-drive watching an offense, this Broncos offense is probably the worst excuse I've seen for an offense ever in my life. And this is for a guy that's supposed to be an offensive head coach. Um, so just a couple of stats for you to kind of paint the picture on where this team is. Now they're, they are middle of the road in a lot of these stats. Like there were certain times where I was looking at these stats. I'm like, man, I feel like we're kind of a little harsh on the Broncos just because it was probably the expectations were so high. We were both kind of down to earth on them. I think we both had them finishing fourth in their division behind the other three teams. Um, And currently they're not actually fourth because the Raiders have had a disappointing start to the year, but everyone else, like I think Colin Coward had him winning this division and, and, definitely being a Super Bowl contender when Russell Wilson walked through the door. Um, They've been the most penalized offense by plays and by yardage so far. 54 penalties for 486 yards, um, which totes to an unpreparedness. Like, that's the basic stuff. If you can't, you know, snap the ball and not commit a false start penalty on first and 10 three times in a game, you're not preparing your team well enough, right? There are are minor things that – that is killing your drives before they even start. They're 22nd in yards per game. Uh, They're 21st for yards total. So the Lions have more yards than them, despite having one less game played. The 31st in points scored. um, The Texans are the only team that have scored less, and they've also only played five games instead of six. And they've actually been outscored by the Lions and the Titans, who both only have five games instead of six. Um and they're also 28th in first downs uh, through the first part. I think that's the biggest thing that I have the issue with is when you watch the sequencing of this offense, 
again, for an offensive head coach, if I'm talking about Robert Salah here, maybe I cut him a little bit of slack. I'm looking at the offensive right. coordinator. This is this is supposed to be the the Sean McVay, right? The the he's coming from the the Matt Lafleur tree, the Aaron Rodgers, you know, whatever. This is an offensive guy, and their sequencing of play calling and how they attack third and short, third and long, and all these things is awful. They have the fourth most offensive drives this year. They've ran 390 plays on 69 drives. That's 17th for total plays ran, which. I mean, it's it's just like basketball. I mean, if you're high on attempts, you better be high on completions or on on makes, right? If you're gonna throw the ball 50 times a game, you got to complete 30 to 40 of them. So if you're gonna have the fourth most drives, you can't run the 17th most plays because that means you're punting the ball a lot. They've they punted the ball 33 times this year, which is second only to the Commanders. They've only they've scored on 30 percent of the drives, which is 26th in the league. And they have their 31st to the Panthers in points per drive. They have, they score 1.32 points per drive. Um, so this this offense is just they can't finish. They're by far and away the worst red zone offense in the league. They can't they can't get a first down, whether it's first and ten, first and twenty, or third and one. They're the worst team on the one of the worst teams on third downs this year. They are 30th in the league completing just converting just 30% of their third down attempts this year. They're fourth in attempted third down conversions. They've only con- converted 26 of those, which is 24th. And they've also only scored three touchdowns on 15 trips to the red zone, which is dead last for red zone efficiency this year. Um, so they've scored the least amount of touchdowns in the red zone. They've got the worst percentage when they do get to the red zone and they're 27th in getting to the red zone. So this offense literally just does not perform in any facet of the game. So I can give a little bit of a, a, a you know, an asterisk for Russell Wilson, right? He's playing through a, a little bit of injuries. They they talked about him injuring his hamstring on Monday Night Football. He's playing through a shoulder injury. First and foremost, at least send this guy to IR for four weeks. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not going to fire Nathaniel Hackett. I understand that, right? You can't can't fire a guy after six games. It's just it's never really going to happen unless we run into another Urban Meyer type situation. But like, there is there is a, there's no reason for Russell Wilson to be playing hurt right now. You paid him two hundred forty five million dollars to be your franchise quarterback. Your team is not executing offensively. He's not playing well. Your offense isn't playing well. Your defense has been great. And I think that's why your offense looks so bad because you're on the field more. We talk about defenses sometimes, their stats, they look a lot worse on paper because their offense is is letting them go out on the field more often, right? I mean, if you go out and get a, a three and out, send your defense out, and you know, even if they let a couple first downs and they just, you know, it's a it's a six minute drive and they allow three points and you go out and immediately get another three and out and send your defense back out there. They're probably going to let up a touchdown because they were just on the field for six minutes. You gave them a, a 25 second break and then you sent it back out there again. This Broncos defense is playing extremely well. Their pass rush is better after losing Randy Gregory. Pat Sertain is playing. I mean, if you take the last two years out and just look at last year and, and what he's done this year, Pat Sertain is arguably the best corner in the game right now. So this team is – the defense is playing great. They get a franchise quarterback, right? We've heard since Peyton Manning retired that this team is a quarterback away, and they've they've got the quarterback. And we also talk about not overreacting to the first six games of a year. But this is 
it's it's been embarrassing for this team. Like Russell Wilson is 13th in the league for yards. He is currently five touchdowns on the year, which is tied for 23rd. He is currently tied. He has the same amount of passing touchdowns as Daniel Jones, Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, and Davis Mills. Those are the those are the four guys, five guys that are tied with him with five touchdown throws this year. He currently has a 59% completion percentage, which is 30th in the league. The four spot, five spots ahead of him are Joe Flacco, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett, Mitch Trubisky, and Marcus Mariota. And then he has a 35.8 QBR, so ESPN's QBR stat. The three guys right behind him are Justin Fields, Carson Wentz, and Mac Jones. So, like, your, your team, you're not winning games. Your offense looks bad. Your quarterback looks bad. And you're not in a complete win, right? Like, there's not this brigade of Broncos players that are old and, like, this is the last ride. You know, it's not an Ed Reed, Ray Lewis situation where, like, hey, these guys are at the last links. Like, we've got to win it this year or we're going to completely have to retool this defense and probably take a year or two out of our window to go win a Super Bowl, right? The window's open. This team is extremely young. And so I was kind of puzzled by the Hackett hire in the first place because for for six to eight years, it's this team's a quarterback away. They're they're right there. They're they're this piece, they're that piece, they're right there. This team is a Super Bowl contender roster wise outside of the quarterback spot and these other two things. And they finally got the quarterback, and the team was pretty well put together, right? Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. That's the other thing. So Javante Williams, everyone is telling every Broncos coach this year, and they were telling last year as well. Um Javante Williams is really good, right? Like he breaks a lot of tackles. His yards per carry is up. Give this guy the ball more. It will pay dividends for your offense, right? For some reason, both Broncos coaches, Nathaniel Hackett, I can't remember who it was last year. I'm going to know it when I hear it, but I'm, I don't remember off the top of my head. Both of those guys were like, no, we're going to run a split backfield. Melvin Gordon is going to be our two back, and we're going to run both of these guys pretty effectively. And Melvin Gordon was a free agent, and they had a chance to let him walk and bring Javante Williams in and let him truly be the one feature guy. Nope. They said, we're going to re-sign Melvin Gordon. We're going to bring him back. We're going to run this 50-50 set again. Javante Williams. Was, um, was it Philip Lindsay, or was that have been too, too long ago? That would have been two, two or three years ago. Two or three years ago. Yeah. Okay. I think they let Lindsay walk to bring in Gordon originally, if I remember oh, right. Okay. So, so like, right, everybody's telling them to run Javante Williams, and this guy's going to be a really crucial part of your offense. So he goes down, right? We're like, all right, well, at least we get to see Melvin Gordon, right? They obviously have seen something in him to take away Javante Williams' time on the field. Let's see what Melvin Gordon does. Nope, he's going to get three carries for eight yards, and for some reason, I listen, I love Latavius Murray, right? You love Latavius Murray more than I do. He's a great running back. This guy got signed on free agency a week and a half ago. So for some reason, Melvin Gordon can eat into Javante Williams in his time when everyone in the world is telling you, hey, man, this kid's special and could possibly be a top 10, top five running back in this game if you give him the touches. We're like, no, Melvin Gordon's got to be involved in the offense. But Latavius Murray gets signed off somebody's practice squad, and a week and a half later, Melvin Gordon gets froze out of the offense for Latavius Murray, who wasn't really running the ball all that well in the second half. It doesn't uh, make sense. Like there are I mean, they, coming issues. They weren't running it at all, though. Like that wasn't just a Latavius. Like Melvin Gordon didn't do much either. No, their offensive line, and and again, credit to Russell Wilson. Their offensive line has been terrible. He's been sacked, I think, twenty three times, which is tied for third, I believe. The other names up there are like Matt Ryan and 
Car- and Carson Wentz, if you're ever sacked as much times as – and Justin Fields, if you're ever in that list with those three guys, no matter what the stat is, Matt Ryan, Justin Fields, Carson Wentz, it's not a good stat to be a part of. He's been sacked a lot. The offensive line hasn't played great. Granted, they've been banged up. But again, if that to me, it comes back on Hackett. you got to get your guys prepared. You've got to – like. You wonder why you're having so many three and outs. Well, if you're going to go out and give up 486 yards and penalties through six games, you're going to struggle. Like, it's going to happen. If if you're like, hey, man, we really got to go out and we got to get a, at least a field goal here, try to cut this to a one-score game, and you come out and immediately set yourself in a first and 20 because you have a rookie or whoever gets a false start call on the first on the first play of the drive, you just immediately shot yourself in the foot, and that comes down to discipline and you making sure your guys are prepared. And the Broncos are not prepared. Like I said, I would let him go right now because the product has been terrible. They won't. I think, if nothing else, let Russell Wilson get healthy, right? There's there's no benefit to Russell Wilson playing through an injury, let alone two injuries, if you were to play coming up this week. It makes no sense to me. So that's my... My two cents on the Broncos. I feel bad for my Broncos fans out there, but yeah, I had to. I had to let some of that get off my chest. So I'm glad you got it off there. I didn't think the Broncos were going to be good. I don't know. I felt I, like I, I didn't I'm like. Out. Like I said, we were down to earth on them, but I definitely felt like they were going to be better than this. Right? I can see the record being where they're at, but again, four primetime games, we're all forced to watch these guys, and two and four, four and two. I don't care if they're six and zero. Oh, the product has been awful on the field offensively. Yeah. The the thing I'll say about they do a really good job of drafting certain positions like they they've drafted really well in the first round um for the most part. The That's one true. thing I'll say is like this offense feels very similar to like the Browns offense where like man this is this is a loaded offense right here. And then you like looked around and you're like Wait, there's not that many weapons on this thing. Like the Colts, we say that all the time. The Colts, they have a lot of they have a lot of fifty fifty weapons. Yeah, yeah, like a lot. And you're like, eh, how long do we say they have a really talented roster, but they haven't had a chance to show it before we go? Oh, this roster just actually isn't that good, right? Yeah, like, this, this roster just has a lot of potential and yeah. not a lot of talent. Court Cortland Sutton's not what we think he is, or Jerry Judy is not what we think he is, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like we just keep hyping these guys up, like it's a little, you know. They're the Bucks, like it's Chris Godwin's and Mike Evans, and you know, and then we're like, and we're like, actually, it's a Mari Cooper and Dante's People Jones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it's something along those lines. We're like, actually, it's not as good as we thought it was. So, um, or it's Michael Pittman, and I can't even name another Colts receiver off the top of my head here, but yeah, Paris I Campbell. think Paris Campbell. Yeah, I just don't <laughs> think there's there's enough hype. You know, there's too much hype around this. How good this roster is. Yeah, I so I think our my my final takeaway is like I get that we were both down, right? Like I said, we both had them finishing fourth, whereas everyone else was super high on this team. But even for me, thinking this team was going to be fourth in their division and finish with six to eight wins, this product has been absolutely embarrassing through six weeks. Yeah, I mean, he'll get fired at the end of the season. 100%. He has to. Like, if Nathaniel Hackett coaches the Broncos next year, you might as well just trade in your merch for a year, root for another team, save yourself the year of pain, or maybe he'll turn it around. Remember how terrible Zach Taylor was? Like, I couldn't imagine watching the first two years of Zach Taylor's career because I'm I'm, I'm second as close to the Bengals as 
as any fan would be outside of Bengals fans themselves. And reading the storylines, and also Zach Taylor was actually a quarterback at Butler Community College where I went, so I was even more into the circle. Reading the storylines and what everyone thought about his first two years in the league, never would have ever dreamed that they were going to make a Super Bowl and he was going to actually be a very well-respected head coach heading into his fourth and fifth year. So who knows? Maybe Nathaniel Hackett gets it turned around, but uh, it's uh, not likely is the best way, I think, to put it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. You ready to jump into pump the brakes here? Yeah, bring it on. All right. Well, I'm all nice and warm now. My voice isn't nice and warm. It's kind of burning and hurts, but I know. Yeah, let's nice. get after it. That was a long little rant, but I'm glad you got it off your chest there. Um, which New York team is more for real, the Jets or the Giants? Oh, this is tough. So the Jets are four and two, and the Giants are five and one, right? Yes. Man. Um, and both with like legit wins, like teams yeah. that are. They both beat the Packers. They both beat the Packers. Uh, the Jets beat the Browns, the Steelers, the Dolphins. Now they didn't beat. They didn't. I mean, they didn't really beat the Dolphins. Dolphins. You know, that's the one thing I'll say. Um, yeah. Skylar Thompson played. Yeah, like a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick. So, seventh round. Seventh round. Yeah. Seventh round pick. Yeah. So definitely, I don't know how legit I'd call that Dolphins win, but they didn't just like if it was close, I would question it more. They beat them forty to seventeen. Like they. Yeah. Pounded them. Yeah, they didn't beat the Commanders twice and the Bears twice. You know, like yeah, they beat they beat some talented rosters for sure. Yeah. Um, and same thing can be said about the Giants. Like every time we're we're ready to like count them out and we're like, man, this is not a real team. They like they win games that we go, man, they should not have won that. You know. Yeah. They beat the Titans, who potentially could be a playoff team this year. Uh, they beat the Packers and they beat. The Baltimore Ravens last week. So. Yeah, they just beat my Ravens. So I uh, first, I want to talk about that game. Um, first of all, Baltimore should be 6-0. and uh, It's stupid mistakes. They've had a double-digit lead in the three losses that they've had this year. Lamar Jackson, first of all, and also the biggest takeaway, Lamar Jackson lost the Ravens this game on Sunday. Uh, horrible pick. Probably the worst pick of his career uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. And then he comes out on the next drive and gets, gets strip-sacked by – Came on Thibodeau. He's got to play within his means a little bit more. I think part of it is he wants to earn his contract. Another part of it is the he. I, I think if I was Lamar Jackson, I feel like I've kind of been put in a box by the ownership, whereas they're not going to get me talent. So I'm going to have to just go out and win football games by myself, right? Like I'm going to have to go be Superman because you're not, not going to put guys around me that are going to alleviate the pressure. So if you want me to be Superman, I'll go be Superman, right? But Lamar Jackson lost that game for the Baltimore Ravens, 100%. There's not an excuse for it along the way. I've always been a bigger fan of the Giants than I've ever let on. I felt like the defense has always been extremely talented. I loved Jabril Peppers when he was there. I know he's in New England now. I love Xavier McKinney a lot. I loved Thibodeau coming into this draft class. Leonard Williams has always been very good. They've always had a lot of pieces, right? But now they bring in Wink Martindale, and they're in this really weird defensive scheme where, like uh, – can you name me two linebackers that currently play for the the, the New York Giants? Uh, no. Out of curiosity, yeah, I like I, Blake Martinez comes to mind because I know he played for him last year. I don't know if he's still on the roster. Like, and uh, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, I honestly don't know if I could name two guys that. Play. I'm, I'm not sure Blake Martinez is there anymore. That yeah. So nice. so they play oh. this really weird set. Oh, it's not a good look on us. Is he what? Is he still there, or are you saying just because no. we don't know? He's it's because we don't know. And I think probably most people wouldn't know. be able to know is my main point. I think we don't know. And a lot of people don't know 
But that's that's the beauty of their defense is they've ran into this thing where they have a lot of really good coverage safeties, but also a lot of really good safeties. Like Xavier McKinney could play linebacker if he wanted to, right? He'd be a yeah. like a Devondre Campbell type. You could drop him in the box. Uh, he plays a lot like uh, Landon Collins did when he was in New York as well, right? So they've run into this spot where they can almost run like a 4-7 defense. They can stop the run with the four guys up front. They've got seven guys they can drop into coverage, but two of those seven DBs are run-stopping safeties that play like linebackers in the middle of the field, and they can just kind of do whatever they want. Wink Martindale comes in, and this defense will succeed. I'll say this. As a Ravens fan and watching what Wink Martindale did for the Ravens defense, this defense will be really, really good. They're actually kind of middle of the league right now. I was kind of surprised. I think like yardage-wise, points allowed, all these things. So like 16, 17. Um, the defense is going to be really good with the personnel that they have and if they continue to draft personnel towards it for about four to five years. And then teams are going to kind of zone in on what the Giants are doing and it'll kind of get boring and that's when you'll see them get fired because it won't work anymore because teams are going to be like, hey, these guys are just going to send seven. Let's just make every play call like they're going to send seven and we'll be fine. And look at that. You can beat a defense when you know what they're running. Pretty crazy how that goes. Um, to answer this question, after giving the Giants their credit for this win, um, this is tough because I think I think the Giants have proved it more. I think the Giants deserve for me to pick them in this spot. But I like, I like the roster more for the Jets, but I think I like the coaching staff for the Giants. Um, I like the quarterback in uh, for the Jets more, long at least for for the rest of the year. Daniel Jones has probably definitely outplayed Zach Wilson, but also Zach Wilson hasn't played the full six games. Yeah. I like Saquon better than I like any running back, but I'd take Brees Hall and Michael Carter over Saquon for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna pick the Jets, but it's a it's a really it's a toss up. It's a really close. Pick. I I thought this was this was a tough. It is. And honestly, for the rest of the year, I probably for the for the rest of the year, it's really, really, really tough for the future for the next like three to four years. I would say the Jets pretty easily because I I still don't know. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. I don't think I ever will be sold on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones could take this Giants team to the Super Bowl and they could beat the Bills 35 to 20. And I still would be like, I don't know what you're going to get with Daniel Jones. Like, I don't know if I'd be sold still. It's a, it's a tough sell to make from what we've seen already. But like I saw, so I, I like the jets for, for more of the future, but the giants again, I mean, like at the end of the day, it's winning football games, right? Like, has it been pretty? No, but it hasn't been as ugly as the Broncos have been. And they're five and one. So like, you can't really turn your nose up at it overall. But I do think uh, a come to earth will happen for both of these teams this year. I think they're both over, overachieving right now, but I think the Jets are capable of more than the Giants are at the end of the day, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, Jalen Smith is linebacker one for the Giants. I yeah. didn't even know he played for the Giants. Exactly, yeah. I remember he got picked up in the practice squad. I had no idea he got elevated. And he, I didn't know he got elevated, let alone that he was their number one guy. Yeah, he's he's number one on their depth chart currently at the moment, but he's only played three games this year, and he was on the team last year. He played four games last year for him, so... Uh, he must be fighting a lot of injuries because, yeah, he was a. I was like, man, I remember him being just a beast in, in Dallas. Dallas. But, yeah, before they let him go, and then he, he was with the Packers practice squad for a while. And he was with the Giants practice squad for a while. But a sideline, the sideline guy, he flies around. He's good in coverage. Fits the exact mold that we were talking about. Yeah, he only has nine tackles this year, so that kind of yeah. gives you an idea how that's going. Um, 
Next one I got for you. Bailey Zappi should stay the starter in New England. This is tough. And it's kind of ridiculous that this is tough. Um, now, I'm not going to have as an educated opinion on this as you will, or as a lot of your friends probably will. Um, I'm going to pump the brakes because it's been a good two starts, three total games for Zappi. But I do think that it would be very difficult to sell. And again, if you're watching every Patriots game and you're a Patriots fan and you've seen what this offense has done with him starting the last two games, maybe you're a little bit more. And also, if you're a fan of a team, you're more open to the radical decisions because you've seen, like, you see the brass tacks of what's happening in front of you. Whereas me trying to look on the outside in, it's a lot difficult for me, a lot more difficult to rationalize some of these yeah. more radical things. I think it's very difficult to look at a guy that you took with pick 15, overachieved his first year, got you to the playoffs two years earlier than probably what people were thinking, was the best quarterback in his rookie class, and was a pro bowler last year. And you're yeah. going to be like, hey, man, two good games yeah. for Bailey Zappi, kick Mac Jones to the curb. That's a he tough kinda, to me. He kind of snuck in as a Pro Bowl. Like, he was like – He was a re- injury replacement, but it's still yeah. – it's on his Wikipedia page, all right? He made it. Oh, if it's on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> all right. Let me let me throw let me throw some stats at you here, okay? Yeah. Mac Jones has played 20 games in his NFL career so far. Okay. How many games do you think he's thrown for 300 yards plus? How many games do you play? 30? Did you say 30 or 20? 20, 20? 20 in his NFL career. He played three this season, 17 last year. How many has he thrown for 300 yards? I'd say yeah. four, and it feels he's high. Three. Three. That's yeah, a good – Three was my my gut, yeah. but – Yeah, three three is good. Yeah, four. You're, you're on that. You're sniffing that nose. Okay. Bailey Zappi this year has played three games. How many 300-yard games does he have? Um – one. One. Okay. So there there we go. Let's let's talk it's, about Mac Jones stats last season, okay? Yeah. Bailey Zappi has I think was like five hundred and ninety six yards and two starts plus a partial third game. Yeah, yeah, he does. He has he has a partial game. He has he's basically five hundred and ninety six yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. Let's talk about Mac Jones' rookie year, okay? Sixty seven percent completion percentage. Pretty good. Yeah, 3,800 yards, really, really low. 22 touchdowns, really low. 13 interceptions, really high. Not not great there. Um, his adjusted Q, or his QBR was 59, 56.9 last year, so not, not phenomenal. Um, Probably middle of the pack. That's middle funny. of the pack right there. So far this year, he's at a 33.5 with his QBR. He's worse okay. than, than Russell Wilson, which I just went on a massive rant about. Yeah, yeah, not not a great look for sure. Um, so and that's that's his adjusted numbers, right? So is that the ESPN uh, one or is that the the inflated one? That's the ESPN had. one. Okay. I mean his his raw his raw quarterback <laughs> rating, excuse me, or his raw passer rating. It was ninety two point five last season. Okay, yeah. And then uh, this year, so far, it's been seventy six point two. Um. So, I mean, he he didn't play as well in my mind. That rookie season was better than I thought it was. Yeah, um, he, he exceeded expectations by far. Yeah, um, Bailey Zappi made throws on this game on Sunday that I wish Mac Jones could make. Um, 
the touchdown he made in the back of the end zone to Thornton, our rookie wide receiver out of Baylor, Mac Jones never would have thrown that ball. Like Bailey Zappi sees a window and puts it in that window. Um, he's got a better release than Mac Jones. He's got a better arm than Mac Jones. Like everything we've seen about this kid, like I, I genuinely, until he just has a game where he craps out, I really don't want Mac Jones to come back in. Um, I want to see what we've got in this kid. And I'm normally not somebody who's like, uh, like I didn't really buy into the whole Cooper rush hype and everything like that. But like, neither of us did. Yeah. But Dak is by far and away a, a top 15 quarterback in this league. And there's no way you could argue Cooper rushes in that category where Mac Jones is maybe a top 20 guy. I think after last season, I think that's probably, up, you know, in that realm we'd put him in. Um, and I think Bailey Zappi in his rookie year has shown that he might have more of an upside than Mac Jones already has. So, yeah, um, I, th- I think the best way, cause I think somebody, I think the guys were talking to me today at work about this as well. Like, cause I, we've, I, I don't know if I've told you this, but I, we have a couple of coworkers that wanted Cooper rush to stay in when Dak was healthy. Cause they felt like he was, He's playing better than Dak. The offense is playing better than Dak. We're winning games. Leave Dak out. Keep Cooper Rush in. The difference is Cooper Rush was at winning the Cowboys games, right? He just wasn't yeah. handing – he wasn't losing the game for the Cowboys, which is all they needed while Dak was out, right? He kind of handed this game away to the Eagles on Sunday night, whereas Bailey Zappi, I think, is winning games for the New England Patriots, right? They went out and put yeah. up 29. Granted, it was on the worst defense in the league statistically in the Lions, but they went up put 29 on the lions in his first start in the NFL. And I think, I don't know why the Patriots don't do this more often, to be honest with you. We see a lot of these small school guys, right. That just shatter records. And people are like, bad doesn't matter. He played for an FCS yeah. school. Ah, it doesn't matter. He, you know, I've never, I didn't even know that that was a town, let alone that there was a college in it, all these things. Right. But those guys are extremely dangerous when, cause obviously the talent's there, right. I think Bailey Zappi just throws 82 touchdowns in a regular season college, just like, off sheer scheme and luck doesn't happen, right? There is some talent there. There's got to be. Yeah. And those guys never pan out unless they get into a really good system. Why the Patriots don't just draft every small school guy that just destroys FBS records? I'll never know because I feel like that they, they could just draft, they could trade their first and second round pick for whoever they wanted to, take that overachieving small school guy in the third and the fourth, and then they are just quite literally the greatest team of all time because they have – all the capital in the world by trading the first and second round picks. And they're always landing the Bailey Zappi in the third round. And it just yeah. always works. But I mean, we, we have good, we have a high success rate on late round quarterbacks, right? Like no yeah. matter how you want to break that down. Um, I mean, you can go back as far as Tom Brady in the sixth round, right? That's a steal. Uh, Trent green. I want to say was a second or a third round guy for us. Yep. And he wasn't phenomenal, but he went on to start other places. Um, uh, you know, Brian Hoyer, I don't know if I'd call him a success story either. Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was Matt a Castle? Pick for us. Matt was Castle was a, a uh, drafted by New England. Yep. So that. you kind of go down this list of like, I mean, they get decent. Like, they're not great guys, but they get decent guys. Um, they've, they've had all of those guys have gotten a starting job after leaving New England. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But. I don't know. I, I really, I really think this guy, I think this kid's shown upside and Bill has, Bill asked him to do something, you know, 
this year they've really pushed Mac Jones. Like Mac Jones is attempting at least, I think he's at every single game. He's had at least 30 attempts. Um, and obviously in the Detroit game, he didn't build and ask him to do that a little too soon. He only played a partial game against green Bay. Only had 15 attempts. I mean, he made him throw the ball 34 times and kid put up 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. The thing I'll say so far about Bailey Zappi is he's not making mistakes. And that's the kind of offense that we're used to in new England, right? Like, one where we run the ball aggressively, right? We pound the rock and we don't make mistakes, right? Like we don't give the other team the ball back for free for nothing um, and distributes the ball out. And that's kind of what Bailey Zappi is. Like he might fit this old school Patriots offense really damn well. And as much flack as we were giving the offensive coordinators early on, right? We were like, man, what are we doing? Like, you know, we got a defensive guy in there and everything like that. Like really since he's been gone, since we got rid of Mac, like we put up 24, 29, 38, like, and the Browns defense is a real, like a legit defense. Like it's not yeah, something that you talented, it's really talented defense. So it's not like, you know, the Lions, the worst defense in the league, we put up 29 points. Like, Browns are a legit defense. Like, this offense seems to be working with significantly better with uh, with Bailey Zappi in there. So, yeah, I'd like to see it's it's just a, it's a very tough sell to just turn off because it's when you talk about like Zappi being a fit for that scheme, it's not that Mac Jones isn't. It's just Zappi is also a fit, but he's got more upside. Yeah. Type of, I type agree. of situation. So, we spent a lot of time talking about that, but I really want Bailey Zappi to stay in. I'll, I'll buy a number four jersey. So Yeah. Four is my lucky uh, number. I'm going to have to buy one with you. There you go. 49ers are the favorite team in the NFC West? Question mark? I'm I'm not going to pump the brakes here. Um, so when you look at this division, right, the Seahawks, I think, are overachieving. I don't think it's a long-term success. And even... Well, I guess like with the question, there's a definite possibility that the Seahawks could win the West, but I think they get to the playoffs and get absolutely smoked. Um, you look at the Cardinals, again, a team that is getting DeAndre Hopkins back but just lost. Hollywood is really biting the injury bug right now, is really trying to fight and just stay healthy. Um, and their defense isn't playing well. Also, I don't trust Kyler Murray, and we'll talk a little bit more about Cliff Kingsbury here in a bit. So the, the the Cardinals are a little bit of an unknown. The Rams have been there the most recently, right? They were coming off a of Super Bowl last year. They probably have the most talented defense in this division, and they probably have the best quarterback, if not the second-best quarterback. And so all these things that the Rams have, they have the worst offensive line in this division and possibly the worst offensive line in football. I don't trust the Rams, really, to win this division long-term because I feel like the way the offensive line's playing, Matt Stafford's probably going to get hurt at some point, and they're going to lose him, and they're definitely not going to win games without Matthew Stafford in. And then you look at the Niners, right? Probably the second-worst quarterback in this division behind with just, you know, Geno Smith is probably four. And honestly, you could probably have a pretty lively debate about which of those guys you'd rather have for the year with how Geno's been playing so far versus how Jimmy's played and has played for the last two to three years. But the Niners are the steady, consistent. They've been to the playoffs with the current roster. They've been to the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo. They beat the Packers in Lambeau Field last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've been there. They've done that. I do think that this is probably the most reliable pick to win the NFC West. So I'm not going to pump the brakes. I think 
the Niners right now are the favorites of the NFC West, in my opinion. I put it with a question mark just because it was more of that moment of like, they're kind of it by default, right? Like, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and say with absolute confidence, oh, excuse me. This Only is healthy. definitely the team and really good, but like, it's kind of like, eh, I guess they're the best, you know? Fully healthy and playing to their best? No, they're not. They're probably the right. third best team in this division behind the Rams and the Cardinals. But the issue is, is that when when it comes down to uncertainties, and, you know, I'm trying to guess about three teams, and I don't have to guess about the fourth one, I'm just going to take the fourth one. And I'm not going to do any guesswork because I've seen them do it before. I'll bet on them to do it again. Yeah, it's just tough. Um. Next one I got for you. The Ravens won't pay Lamar more than $190 million. God, it's really tough to sit here and try to lobby for him getting more than that after the week we just had and the week he just had. So the rumors were he wanted $200 million, $220 million, something like that, right? Fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. They offered him $160 million fully guaranteed. So... And the, the question is, they won't pay him more than 190 fully guaranteed. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, 190 fully. It'll probably be fully guaranteed because that seems like what he's after. But 190 fully guaranteed. I'm not going to pump the brakes here, either. I, I don't think they will pay him more than that. Um, I think he is worth that 200, 220 mark, in my opinion. Um, but with how this roster is currently constructed, the offensive line isn't playing super great. There's, they've still been hesitant to get J.K. Dobbins back in the fold. Gus Edwards still hasn't played a fully healthy game. So Kenyon Drake's kind of been kind of almost the lead back. Justice Hill's had a lot of carries. The inconsistency with where this offense is at and the horrible play calling from Greg Roman in big spots, I think even with playing the best superhero ball of his career, I don't know if Lamar Jackson can prove enough to this this front office to give him more than 190 million at this point. Um, there's just not enough talent on the offense. I think for him to go out and truly prove that. Cause I think for him to get back to the negotiating table and, and firmly sit at $200 million again, like it's going to take an MVP level season and, and the Ravens are going to have to have at least an AFC title appearance, if not an AFC title, on the shelf and a Super Bowl appearance, right? And I don't, as much as I predicted both of those things to happen, three and three with three losses coming after having a double-digit lead in the first half, one of them being to Daniel Jones, the other one being to Josh Allen and Tua Tungavailoa, Josh Allen obviously being the outlier, the other two quarterbacks, if you think they're good, they're definitely not Josh Allen good. They're not Lamar Jackson good. It's not a good look six games in. I don't think he can prove enough in the time left with the talent he has around him with the play calling that he has to get more than $190 million. So I can't. I can't pump I don't. I don't know. I think the first month he might have played his way into that, and then the last two weeks he's kind of played his way back out of it. Back out of it. I agree. And I think that it's, it's going to continue – I don't think like they're going to be as bad, you know, for the rest of the season as they played this the two weeks. But if I had to pick where they're going to sit for the next thirteen games, I wouldn't be surprised to see seven games in the last two weeks and six games of the four before. 
And even the four before, they were two and two. He played great and they were two and two. And I think it's going to take a lot of team success for him to, to harbor. I think he can win a league MVP and us finish 10 and six, get bounced to the first round. I still don't think they'd, they'd hit that $200, the $200 million mark at that point, which is right. ridiculous to me, right? Like I said, I think he's worth every penny, and I'd rather get burned by his contract than to let him walk or, or any other thing go and happen. But I'm not in charge of the Baltimore Ravens. So here we are. I agree. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's worth it right now. I don't know. He's too too up and down. He's got to be a little bit more consistent and show that he can win games late in the late into games. Otherwise, he's going to just keep costing himself money here. Um, next headline I got for you. Next pump the brakes I got for you. Cliff Kingsbury will get fired this year. This is another tough one. Um, I'm not going to pump the brakes because I, I do think it'll probably happen. Um, let me read the quotes. We'll get fired this year. I'm actually, I am going to pump the brakes. Um, I don't think he's getting fired this year. I think he should, but I don't think he will because word around the office, word around the water cooler is they feel like he is dealing with a more high. I think Colin Coward talked about this. Like they feel like uh, Kyler Murray is a little bit difficult to handle sometimes, right? Not your traditional quarterback doesn't handle things like the whole video game situation is one that we've never seen in the NFL before, really. Uh, And if we have seen it, it hasn't, it's, you know, it's, it's it's like Jamarcus Russell empty tapes type of issues that they're dealing with. Um, so the front office is going to give him a longer leash because of it. Um, but I would fire him, but I don't think he will be. So I'm going to have to pump the brakes. I don't think he will get fired this year. I, I don't know. If he if he has another disappointing season, I think it'd be tough. Like They're going to have to finish 500 for them to do it, I believe. Wow. I think if they miss the playoffs, man, I think it's tough not to want to fire them like this. You look at this roster and you go, well, yeah, this team's good. And only one year of making the playoffs and then being disappointing in there, I think, uh, I think is tough. Um, next one I got for you. The Cowboys losing was a good thing for the Cowboys. I'm not pumping the brakes. I'm putting a cinder block on the gas pedal. I'm jumping <laughs> out of the car. Again, as a guy that sit there, in our place of employment and on social media spaces and listen to Cowboys fans and non-Cowboys fans trying to tell me that Cooper Rush should stay in when Dak Prescott's healthy is ridiculous to me. No. He needed the loss. He needed, more importantly, my only argument for pumping the brakes here, that losing wasn't the best like a good thing or the best thing for them. Cooper rush struggling was the good thing because Dak Prescott needed to be, needs to be on the field. If healthy, there's no if, ands or buts about that. And I think Cooper rush throwing three picks hopefully shows that more than the loss does, which is sad because I think a lot of Cowboys fans would sit there look at you, look at myself and look themselves in the mirror, three picks, in a win, and they would still say that they'd rather have Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott, which is asinine, asinine to me. But I definitely can see a couple of my Cowboys fans telling me that. Not not the ones that we probably think of off the top of my head, but I'm thinking of a couple that would say that to me. So, Yeah, I agree. 
All righty. We're going to jump into what's going to be our last segment of the show here. We are running uh, really, really tight on time here. Uh, we're going to talk about our bets from last week and give our picks for the, the week, and we'll probably send her off here. Um, before we talk about it, we always give our little note here at the beginning. Contact the Problem Gambling Helpline at 800-522-4700. Professionals available 24 hours a day to take your call. Help is available at no cost to the problem gambler or their concerned others. Um, for me, big week last week, went 3-1. and one. Uh, Only game was the Chiefs plus 2.5 minus versus the Bills for me that didn't hit. Uh, tough. You know, I like the Chiefs at home plus the points, but... Didn't end up working out the way the Bills Bills caught that. Vikings minus three and a half against the Dolphins. That was an easy dub. Didn't matter if it was Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater to me. I like that line no matter what. Bucks versus Steelers under 43 and a half. Again, um, Kenny Pickett has looked slow, you know, when he started out. He got hurt. Mitchell Trubisky comes in. Thank God Mitchell Trubisky didn't start that game because the way he was playing at the end, the over definitely would have hit. Bucks yeah. offense still struggling. Tom Brady's barking at people at the sidelines. Um, Cardinals versus Seahawks under 51 and a half. For some reason, people have in their mind that these are two extremely explosive offenses. They're two okay to good offenses, not as good as people are making them out to be. So I think the Cardinals can be explosive. I don't think that Seahawks can. I don't know why that line was at 51 and a half. I like the Vikings. You said Skylar Thompson or Teddy. I like Vikings minus three and a half, even with Tua back there, to be honest with you. It, it would have been it would have been a tighter line. I think it probably would have been like minus one. Basically, maybe a pick them. But no, I, I like the Vikings. So yeah, I liked your. You, I think two of your picks last week. I was like, you got yours in first last week, like you usually do. And there's, I believe it was the Vikings and then the Cardinal Seahawks that I both was were going to put on mine. And then I saw you already had them down. And the Chiefs Bills as well. I would have just taken Chiefs money line outright, and we both would have been wrong there. So yeah, um, I went two and two last week. Uh, the Jackson. Uh, the Jags and the Colts under 41 and a half. They actually kind of had a little bit of a shootout. I think it was like 34, 27. Um, so that one missed San Francisco minus five and a half versus Atlanta. They actually outright lost that game. Jimmy G struggled. Uh, the Falcons win that game. So I missed on that one as well. Jets plus seven to the Packers. Easy hit. They beat the, the crap out of the Packers last week. They and did. then uh, Denver and the Chargers under 45 and a half on Monday night primetime. I'd say, Tell you this, we've watched four, we've watched four primetime Broncos games so far this year. We got two left. If the Broncos play on a primetime slot, Nathaniel Hackett is the head coach, Russell Wilson is the quarterback, bet the under. Unless they're playing like the Bills and it's a lower line where the Bills can go out and ring 40, even then Broncos defense has been pretty good. That's a that's a pretty easy lock. It's a primetime Denver Broncos under for the rest of the year. So I went two and two. I'm eight and eight now on the year. Tim does have the extra week on me from the week that we missed. He had his picks and I didn't. So he's eight and 11. So we're both in play to go positive this week. Uh, you'll have to go four and one I, or four and oh. I just have to go three and one. So what's what's your picks this yeah. week? What do you get? Um, I had a thought, damn, and it just escaped my mind. I hate that when that happens. That's the worst. Um, but. I don't remember. It was something about, oh, we potentially could have two more Denver. Uh, uh, I guess they could, games. they could flex them out, right? They could they could get flexed out. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, my picks for this week are Lions versus Cowboys under 48 and a half. Um, this line just feels too high for me. Um, the Lions have struggled against really good defenses, and the Cowboys have 
a really good defense. Um, pretty simple method. So that's pretty basic, whether it's Dak or Cooper Rush. Uh, I think if it's Dak, you know, he could be coming out of the gate a little bit slow. I think Cooper Rush has lost a little bit of confidence. So I think that line is is a little bit too high for my likings. I also like Cardinals minus one and a half versus the Saints this game. Um, I'm not 100% sure why. I just saw it and I was like, man, I feel like I'm getting the better team and it's not that big of a line. Uh, it's basically a pick them, right? Like, uh, basically a money line pick for the Cardinals. Basically a money line pick. So I kind of I like those picks. Um, Seahawks versus Chargers under 51 and a half. Again, it's something about the Seahawks offense. I don't know why the line is the same as it was last week. Like Chargers have been somewhat struggling on offense. They didn't play great on Monday night football. Seahawks have also been kind of hit or miss on offense. So that number feels way too high for me. Um, and this is, this is, this is where it gets spiky, spicy for me. Jets plus one and a half versus the Broncos. I'm taking that all day. Yeah. All day with the way the Broncos have been playing. Yeah, and I can start my I'll start my picks with that same game. I just have the Jets money line outright over the Broncos. Yeah. Um I saw that one and a half spread. You like those? I hate those. I would rather just ride the money line because I feel like we don't get a lot of one point games or two point games that often. Would I will I will I get burned by that eventually? 110%. Shocked it hasn't yeah. happened already. Um, but yeah, the Jets are playing really good football. The Denver Broncos are not. So I'm I'm going to take the Jets money line over the Denver Broncos. This will be the one week where Russell Wilson returns to Super Bowl form, and I have to eat all of my words that I've said about the Broncos. You know, sometimes you got to get burned. You you play with fire, you get burned. I think I'm I'm definitely going to get burned by one of these picks, and it's either going to be this one or it's going to be this one. Uh, I have the Atlanta Falcons plus six and a half versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Falcons are currently the only team in the league that are six and zero versus the spread. Uh, last week I bet against them. I took the Niners minus five and a half versus Atlanta. Thought that was a pretty good lock, despite them being five and zero against the spread. The Niners kind of got beat up on. I'm going to bet Atlanta this week. You know what that means? This is going to be the first time that they don't hit the spread all year. Fade that pick for your life. Take Cincinnati minus six and a half. I'm going to ride with Atlanta. I'm going to ride with the, the history, and I'm going to get burned by it, and I'm going to be okay with it. Um, I have KC minus three versus San Francisco. Not a huge fan of the even lines, right? I'd rather have three and a half or two and a half, but I think KC, even with it being in San Francisco and not an arrowhead, I think as as good as I talked about the Niners in that in pump the brakes there, Kansas City is easily the better team. They've had a really good run defense all year. One of the better, if not the best run defense throughout uh, six weeks of football. I think they're going to shut the uh, slow down to shut down the San Francisco running game, turn the offense one dimensional, and if it comes down to a shootout between Jimmy G and uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes 12 out of 10 times. And uh, my last one, I have Cleveland and Baltimore under 45 and a half. Could be another one that gets broken, kind of like Jacksonville and Indiana did, because uh, Baltimore has been in a couple higher scoring close games. Like the Patriots game was like, like 35-27. That breaks this under pretty easily. But I think it's going to be another uh, – Baltimore since the game where it's going to be a real low scoring 21, 19, 21, 17 is your final score, 24, 21, something along those lines. So I like, I like division game under got to have at least one a week rolling with just one this week instead of two, like I usually do. But uh, yeah, that's my four picks for this week. Nice. I like it. I think that's all we got for yeah. this week. We, uh, 
did run did run a little long, obviously, with the, the first segment at the top of the hour. My absolute hatred for Nathaniel Hackett and how the Broncos are playing so far this this year. But we got through it all in a pretty decent, pretty, pretty respectable time frame, still, I'd say. So um I do want to get a chance to talk about Tom Brady and the sideline stuff. Hopefully we get a chance to open up the week next week with that after our trivia section. We'll see if it gets any worse going into this week. So that is on our radar. Obviously didn't have time for it today, but hopefully we get a chance to talk about that next week. We'll kind of see where we land at, but that's going to do it for episode eight. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at pissworm takes on Twitter for Tim at Owen underscore Burke for myself. Tim, anything else before we get out of here? Nothing. Have a stay safe and uh, we'll, we'll hear from you soon. Yeah. Stay safe, stay healthy. Make sure you fade all of our bets, especially Atlanta versus Cincinnati. And we'll see you guys next week.